Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, you can't talk about hope and not uh, get eventually around to the subject of heaven. Just what is heaven? Uh, I bet if we went around the room this morning, we could do a survey and all of us would have a a different take. Can I get the lights on back there so I can see folks? Just thank you. (laughs) I like to be able to look at you (laughs) and see you out there. Thanks a lot. Plus, it helps me see um, (laughs) up here. But uh, people have different takes on heaven. We're in the series, Surprised by Hope, Surprised by Hope, uh, and we're covering an enormous amount of material. I hope you're in a small group. I hope you're able to track with uh, N.T. Wright, Dr. Wright, who I know may be a little stiff since he's an Englishman for some of you, and, uh, but I hope you're able to track with him, listen for those 12 to 15 minutes in your small group, and work through the guidebook, because if you will hang in there, with Tom, you're gonna, you're just gonna be the better for it by the time we finish these eight weeks together. And so dig in, and uh, I think you're gonna learn a lot. It is gonna, it's really gonna be, I gotta say, it's gonna bless your life in a, probably a new way because perspective is everything. How we look at life, how we understand life, and especially how we understand God, and even how we understand what heaven is has a lot of bearing on us and how we live and our expectations and definitely our sense of hope. And so, uh, I mean, some of you have, you know, how many golfers do we have? We're in Myrtle Beach. Uh, You call yourself a golfer. Let's just say that. You you, you say, I play golf. You know, it's different, right? You play golf. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Well, some of you are hoping that, you know, you'll be able to break that 72 or like 70 or whatever it is in heaven. I saw this cartoon. I thought, yeah, this, this is what some of you are looking. I don't know if you can read that. It says, sorry, but we've never gotten enough golfers here to make it worthwhile to put in a golf course. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no offense Um, we have all kind of ideas and and I've heard probably being a pastor for so long I have heard wow all kind of ideas of what people think heaven is about there was a book written uh, a few years ago not that long ago called the boy who came back from heaven I don't know, it was put out by Tyndall House, and maybe you read it, but he was six years old uh, when he you know, said that he had had this experience. But a few years later, this is what he said. I did not die. I did not go to heaven, Alex wrote. He continued, I said I went to heaven because I thought it would get me attention. When I made the claims that I did, I had never read the Bible. People have profited from lies and continue to. They should read the Bible, which is enough. The Bible is the only source of truth. Anything written by man cannot be infallible. He's a teenager now, Alex Malarkey, and that's, uh, he finally came clean on it that uh, that wasn't. He, he didn't even know God. He never even read the Bible when he said he had this experience. Uh, there are takes like annihilation that when you're finished with this life, you just totally cease to exist. There is reincarnation where like Hinduism and all, you come back and this karma deal keeps going until you get it right. You just keep coming back and you try again and you try again and you try again and you try again. It sounds tiring. And again and again just to get it right, you know. And, and uh, there, there are all 
all types of beliefs. Maria Shriver, who's a wonderful writer, but uh, that's Schwarzenegger's wife, right? And uh, yeah, and uh, she wrote a book a few years ago, and the title uh, the title was uh, "What's Heaven?" and she meant it for children. And this uh, this is a, a piece out of her book. Heaven is somewhere you believe in. It's a beautiful place where you can sit on soft clouds and talk to other people who are there. At night, you can sit next to the stars, which are the brightest of anywhere in the universe. If you're good throughout your life, then you get to go to heaven. When your life is finished here on earth, God sends angels down to take you up to heaven to be with him. And grandma is alive in me. Most important, she taught me to believe in myself. She's in a safe place with the stars, with God, and the angels. She is watching over us from up there. I want you to know, says the heroine to her great-grandma, that even though you are no longer here, your spirit will always be alive in me. I hate to make a comment on this, but I will. Uh, my My daughter has a Latin term for this that she uses quite often. It's called vomitus projectilis. <laughs> yeah, vomitus, you can quote that. It's true Latin. And um, projectilis. But we, we, you know, we, we kind of create what heaven is in the hopes that it will make the people we love the most maybe feel the best. And heaven is a wonderful topic, and the Bible, believe it or not, has a good bit to say. Yes, there's mystery involved. How do you describe something that uh, you haven't seen completely yet? And, and there's areas in it that, uh, that we just might turn our heads sideways and go, I wish I had a little better view of this, a little clearer picture. But we have enough. We have been given enough in order to understand a fairly, uh, I'd say, broad view of what this is like. So we're going to take a look at that today. So uh, pray with me, and we'll jump in. On the back side of your handout, there is a fill-in that you can track along with me. The scriptures are there as well. Father, thank you for this time together this morning. Uh, you know, Lord, in the vineyard, we do believe that you you come, that, that you're... Your kingdom comes, your rule and your reign comes to earth in Jesus and that it still comes and we're to pray that. And, and this morning, Lord, as we talk about this place, heaven, we ask for your help. I ask for your help. Give me the gift of teaching over the next few minutes. Help me, Lord, and Lord, let your word come alive in our hearts and let the hope of heaven break forth in our lives even now. So Holy Spirit, come. Be a very present help in teaching us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, over in Luke 23, uh, verse 42 through 43, Jesus, if you remember this story, is on the cross, hanging on the cross. He has two criminals, one on each side of him. Remember that story? One is really ragging on him and saying, look, if you're who you say you are, why don't you get yourself down from here? And by the way, get us down from here too. Uh, The other criminal on the other side has a different view at that time and he says why are you saying this to him he's done nothing wrong Christ has done nothing wrong and then he looks over at Jesus on the cross and he says remember me when you come into your kingdom and Jesus responds with truly I tell you today you will be with me in paradise Remember me when you come into your kingdom, and yet Jesus responds with, Today you will be with me in paradise. Two different words there. 
And uh, this is what we're going to look at is what happens right after you die. I mean, don't you want to know? Don't you want to know? And uh, some say you go to purgatory. There is no biblical basis for purgatory. Uh, that was, you know, I think back to the 13th century, it was, a, it was a good way of raising funds. <laughs> you know, if you had a building project, you know, you can pray your, you know, pray your, your family out of purgatory or pay you know, your family out of purgatory. But there, because some of us just aren't ready for heaven. So, you know, we have to go into this place where we pay for it. And, and then indulgences were paid and it was a way to, for uh, some of the priests to make money. Uh, if you want to sit there so much on this, this actually this whole subject, it really requires a whole series when we're talking about this. We could do five weeks on just this su- subject. I mean, the research and the scripture is just almost overwhelming. There's so much. But uh, that's not a part of what Jesus is talking about. You know, you will be with me. You know, here is a criminal on the cross. If anybody deserved to go to purgatory, it was probably him. And yet Jesus says, this day, who's he going to be with? He's going to be with Jesus in paradise. And so uh, paradise, this word paradise, I, I love it because it, it has the picture in the word that Jesus used of like a walled garden. And uh, it goes back to like a blissful garden, a place where there's rest, there's beauty, there's tranquility. And it's been defined as where the dead are refreshed as they await the dawn of a new day. It's not soul sleep. Some people think, well, our souls go to sleep. It's not that because Jesus said, you'll be with me today in paradise. Now, Jesus was going to spend three days in the grave, right? So, uh, you know, he's, he's saying, I'm going to a place, I'm going to a place that you will be with me. And then we know that he came, his body came out, he was resurrected, and then he spent 30 days or so with 500 plus people over that next month talking to them. And so he went somewhere and he's saying to the, to the criminal on the cross, you're going to be there with me. Now, another place over in John 14, Jesus mentioned this. He, remember, if you remember the King James Version which I don't use, but it, it said uh, you know, mansions. You know, people used to say, I want my mansion in glory, you know, and that it, but it's dwelling places, literally. Jesus says, I've gone to, you know, to create dwelling places. And I love this term, dwelling places. It's, it's a Greek word, M-O-N-A-I. And it, it's, it has this picture, get this, of a wayside inn. A beautiful inn that you go to rest at on your way to the next place. That's what it is, that you go there. It's uh, many rooms or many wayside inns, a temporary halt on a journey that will take you somewhere else in the long run. Now, your fill-in is, is simply that, is that if you want to put down what paradise is or what some people misunderstand, and we're going to get to heaven next, but... What this is, is it's restful happiness. And these are like metaphors for it, but blissful garden, a wayside inn, a temporary halt on a journey that will take you somewhere else in the long run. And uh, see, that makes sense because Jesus, remember Jesus came back, then he goes back into heaven or the kingdom in fullness, and then he comes back. There is this place, our bodies are going to be resurrected. We're not fully going to be in heaven, if you want to call it that, until our bodies are resurrected and we come back and we have that new body, that new earth. But in between that time, there's somewhere that we go. Now, our bodies sleep. 
And that means they die. Our bodies do, but they will be resurrected. But they sleep. But in the meantime, you get to go to the wayside inn. You know, you get to, you're on the way somewhere, and that is, uh, that is kind of the way the Scripture describes it. Here's the, what I was reading through all the dictionaries and the commentaries and all of this and reading uh, Dr. Wright's books and, and uh, also Randy Alcorn's book on heaven, which is a great book if you haven't read it. It's about that thick, and it covers every single possible anything about it. It's a great book. Uh, I thought uh, we went to Costa Rica a few years ago, and, and Karen, I was wanting to get to the beach, of course, you know, but uh, Karen was like, is there some place we could kind of on the way there that wasn't just a hot beach? I mean, could we stop somewhere on the way? And so we found this place, uh, Mount Arenal. It's a live volcano, and there was a resort there. And so we left San Jose, and we drove through the mountains, and we got to Arenal, and we went through these gates, and it was like Jurassic Park without the dinosaurs. Uh, you know, it was just beautiful. I mean, gorgeous. Hot springs everywhere with different temperature. Walked down all this green. Oh, it was just birds and parrots and monkeys, and you just name it. It was so green and so beautiful, and you're sitting at the base of a, a live volcano, and it's, it was just gorgeous, but it was a stop. It was a wayside end on the way to where I was headed. Now, this is where we stopped. You've got a picture there of it. And, uh, yeah, there, that's kind of sitting in the pool there looking at it. But where I was headed was this. Yeah, that's me. You can't hardly see it. But that's where I wanted to be, right there under that lip, you know. <laughs> and so I was like, but it was a beautiful stop on the way. That is paradise. That is Jesus is talking about in my house where many mansions or many rooms. There's a stop on the way because God has great plans for this earth. But in between his return here, in between our bodies being resurrected, there is a wayside in. There is a rest. Remember Jesus uh, met with Moses and Elijah and Peter, James, and John uh, were with him. And uh, I mean... Remember, Peter made the comment, wow, this is very cool. Let's build some houses here. And, uh, you know, Peter, again, putting his foot in his mouth, didn't know what to say. But Jesus is having a conversation with Moses and Elijah. And uh, then it says that a cloud comes along and kind of goes through them, and, and, and they disappear. And then you hear the Father's voice speaking, this is my son. You know, listen to him. This is my son. And it's like... The realm of God's presence in its fullness and, and our realm, which is very real, too, at times, and especially in Christ, they kind of do this, you know. That's why we pray thy kingdom come. Lord, bring that reality into this present moment. And that's when you want to see examples of that, then watch what happens in Jesus' life. It comes like this when he heals people, when he comforts people, when he forgives people, when he fed the hungry, the kingdom comes. In between that time, there's a place of rest. There's a place of being able to, and you know, other people are there. I got, I got friends I want to see. I want to have conversation with that I know are there. And, uh, and, and we're also with Jesus because Philippians 1.23 says that. It says that if you're not here, you're with Jesus. And he told the thief that, you know. He says, you'll be with me. Not only am I going to remember you, I'll remember you, but you're going to be with me. Today, as soon as I die and I go to paradise. But then he comes back, right, as a picture of heaven on earth, of the reality of God. And so uh, 
I hope that helps. There's so much more we could talk about with that. Um, your body sleeps, but not you. Not you. And so that's paradise. No purgatory. No purgatory. No getting beat up and trying to be corrected after you leave this life. But if you know Christ, then you're led by Him. In between the times, you go to rest. And you go to have fellowship in that time, waiting for the culmination of everything to come. So how about heaven? Okay, over in Philippians 3, 20 through 21, we read this. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there. You get this? We eagerly await a Savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. See, that is the example we have of what it's going to look like in heaven, in the kingdom. Heaven, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, synonymous. Same thing. When Jesus returns and our bodies are resurrected and we are united again, Jesus is the example we have of that. And, uh, you know, I also believe this fully. It, I, it never has made sense to me that we think of this earth as this dirty, rotten place that we all want to escape from. I've always been surrounded by beauty. I mean, I've been able to see it in the ocean and art and music and in children and my children, my grandchildren. And I look at the beauty of that and I think, that's got to last. There that, that can't be anything wrong with that. That's a part of God's wonderful creation. When you see a beautiful work of art or you hear a beautiful piece of music or, or you laugh with your friends and you look at each other and you go, there's something very special about this moment. There are beautiful parts of this earth because there are still remains of the kingdom and of the garden the way it always was. And we started this series talking about that, that this is a way of going back to the garden in heaven when Jesus returns, even beyond it in many ways. And so, uh, you know, when you see beauty on this earth and when you experience something awesome on this earth, you taste just a moment, just a part of what the goodness and the full restoration of God will be like when it comes to earth again and he reestablishes his rule and his reign. So when you when that happens, enjoy it. When you see something beautiful, enjoy it. When you create something beautiful, offer it as if God made it himself to this world to enjoy Because you're going to be doing that. That thing that you enjoy for a long time. So now we get to contribute right now to it by that. Let me just, before I get off here. uh, uh, (laughs) Let's look at Jesus. What was Jesus like since he's our example? Okay, he had a body, right? After the resurrection. He had a body. He ate. He drank. People touched him. He had parts of his body that looked a little different. Yeah, he had a face. They took a few minutes to really adjust to it, but they knew his voice. They knew who he was. He was tangible. This is our example of what the life to come in heaven looks like. It was a real body, not a ghost. Remember that when Jesus says, I'm not a ghost, I'm not a spirit. He said, does a ghost eat bread and fish? And he eats it. Like if he was, you'd see it go down. (laughs) So see, You know, this is the real deal here. I mean, this body has been resurrected. And it's been glorified. But you know this is me. I'm going to know it's you. You're going to know it's me. We're going to know that. We're going to recognize each other. Jesus is our example. He talked. He cooked fish. 
I mean, to me, I I keep telling you guys, that part of the scripture where he looks out at his friends after the resurrection and says, friends, have you caught any fish? I mean, he calls them friends. He still has this intimate relationship with them. His relationship goes right back to where it was left off when he was resurrected. Do you get that? Your friends that you have known. Remember the last conversation you had? When you get to see them again, it'll take up right where it left off. I've got friends of mine that... uh, Dr. Linus Morris and Sharon Morris are here at the beach this week and we went to dinner I only get to see him maybe once a year but as soon as we sit down at the table we're right back to where we were you got people like that in your life people that you know suddenly show up and it's like wow it's it's like the time didn't pass they're right here and and you know, Jesus was like that. With called him by name, he started the conversation right where it started. And uh, Jesus, t- you know, he was recognized by his voice. And remember, on the road to Emmaus, he's walking on the Emmaus road with these two people, and he's having a conversation. He's not hovering. You know, he's walking. He's walking. Could hover, I guess, or fly like Superman if he wanted to, but he didn't. Because he's on this earth, and he says, "This is a picture of, of what it's going to be like." He's walking, he's got shoes on, he has clothes on. It's a human being of sorts that has flesh. But it's Jesus resurrected from the grave in power because all of a sudden after they sit down at dinner that night and they have a conversation and all of a sudden he's gone. He's gone. Conversations and what's it going to be like? Discussions. Uh, and then again, he could move through doors, you know, he didn't have to pick a lock or anything, you know, he went where the people that were afraid were, his friends, he just transcended the lock and he showed up to be with them, he was there, I don't know if we'll be able to do that or not, but he's not an angel, he's not a ghost, he's not some floating disembodied spirit, and listen, we need to take away out of our, our language and our dialogue when we talk about death that anybody becomes an angel. It is so much more than that. You know, heaven does not need another angel. Heaven needs you because the future is so wonderful. And those that I love and that I've lost close to me, I want them back. That's who I want to be with. And that's who God wants you to be with. Jesus knew his friends. He was there. He was present. He had conversation. He ate. He drank. He encouraged all of that. He started a fire. I mean, you know, he wore normal clothes. They didn't say he had a halo over his head. No halo. I mean, he, he looked like he was when he was on the earth, just different. Just different. He gave directions. And, you know, how about heaven? What is heaven like? Well, there's eating, obviously. There's feasting. I think there's like 136 times in the Bible feasting's mentioned. There's over a thousand times eating is mentioned in the Bible. Aren't you happy about that? And uh, yeah, you know, there's a great feast that's going to happen whenever the kingdom comes in fullness, when God returns. We're going to sit down. You know what it's like to be with your friends. Super Bowl coming up. You're going to grab with a bunch of friends. You're going to laugh. You're going to cry because the Patriots are going to lose. And then, you, you know, <laughs> things like that. And uh, all of that going on. But, you know, yeah. But but there's an exchange. Something happens. Something happens in food. And the, in the Bible, breaking food with one another was a way of celebrating a covenant, a friendship. When you sit down with someone and you sit across from them and you share food, it's a very almost sacred moment, isn't it, when you do that? Something different happens when you eat with one another and you're with one another. 
And the kingdom to come, heaven to come is going to be full of that, eating. Joyable. Maybe you won't have to, but, you know, my ideas and all the scripture I read through says we still have desires. They're just purified desires. There's no evil desires. There will be no overeating. They'll just be eating great food for the enjoyment and the fellowship of it. And there's fellowship and recognition of one another. Uh, you know, people are still intelligent beings. They have physical bodies. There's a solid real estate. It's the real ground like we see. I mean, this, this is it. What we're looking around us now, only better. You get this? When you walk out, when you see the Atlantic Ocean, when you look into Long Bay and you look out, it's going to be like that, only better. Because it's going to be here only better. (laughs) Only better. The way God always intended for it to be. When he comes back. There's no rejection. No greed. No murder. No addictions. No dishonesty. No corruption. No prejudice. No injustice. No neglect. No fear. No shame. No temptation. And it's even described as a city. There's community. There's community. A city. The city of God coming down. New Jerusalem is what it's called in Revelation. There's work. There's purpose. I never did like the idea of sitting on a cloud with a harp. Harp? Really? You know, no, no, you know, to you harpist uh, out there. Uh, but, you know, that's, you know, it's like, you know, inside of you, you feel this creative energy. You feel like God has inspired you to do something in life. Why would he do that if he didn't have that for you to do on and on and on? And that this is all pushing forward into his kingdom to come, into heaven. I mean, he says that he, all the way back in Genesis 3, that intended Genesis 2 for us to steward the garden, to work it, to take care of it. That is what we will do again. We'll rule and reign. We'll take care of it again. We'll serve together. The earth will be what it was meant to be when he first made it. And we'll be his garden keepers. And we'll do life together and we'll work and we'll create. And I believe there's in the Old Testament when the Jewish people were talking about heaven and there was music, there was art, there was dancing, there was coffee. Just kidding. But uh, that that question is in uh, Randy Alcorn's book right near the back. If you get all the way through it, it says, is there coffee in heaven? And uh, (laughs) I'll let you buy the book and read it. But, uh, you know, it's going to be a place of life. Of joy, of freedom, of happiness. There's rest. Uh, It's not a spiritual state. Let's please, let's realize that it's a physical, different reality. But it is physical. It is alive and we're part of it. And that's why it's so important now for us to steward what we have well. Right now. Because it's coming here. And we get to see little previews by how we steward the earth even now. Through the art and the music and how we care for one another. And oh, there's animals. All of you lovers of animals. You know, There's animals. There's travel. There's property. One of the Jewish things the Jewish people always longed for is that each of them had some property of their own. Because how can you steward and take care of land if you don't have it? And so in the kingdom to come, in the heaven to come, there's going to, be a, there's going to be something for you to tend, for you to take care of, for you to be responsible for, to love to take care of. Man, I'm getting excited about it. <laughs> Dude, fruit trees, rivers, precious stones, no more sin. Hallelujah. You know, no more struggling with sin. 
Jesus calls his people by name. He knows them by name. We have an identity. We have emotions. There will be no more sad tears. But when we laugh hard, I believe we will cry laughing, laughing. And we'll cry with happiness when we see people that we haven't seen in so long. And we finally see this place the way it should be as we long for it to be. You will be you. That's why I said, you know, it's good to work on us now because we don't want to go into the kingdom to come as a jerk. I mean, you don't want to meet somebody and you go, well, you know, I really thought you'd be different here. Uh, You're still a jerk. Uh, You know, no, 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 no. And we start working on it now. (laughs) Start working on it now. That's that's the Holy Spirit in us, you know, conforming us and helping one another as we see his kingdom come to us. You know, right here, right now. Help me not be a jerk, God. And uh, yeah, and this is not a boring place. It's a place full of joy and you have your citizenship there. Oh, heaven is like here, only better. Matter of fact, it is here, just a better here. A better here. That's where we're destined to live for eternity. Here is God always intended for us. And so you're feeling for the second one is here, but a better here. (laughs) Here, but a better here. A better us, as it was always intended. G.K. Chesterton, this famous English poet, Author, He really never gets his due of all the many people that uh, he influenced. Like C.S. Lewis and others said this, We are homesick at home. <laughs> we are homesick at home. We know there's more. And we know this is not a bad place. We're homesick for home. Lastly, what, does that make, what difference does that make in the present? What Jesus taught us to pray, didn't he? In Matthew 7, 9 through 10, your kingdom come. That is your will. Be done. Where? Right here on earth. Right now. As it is in heaven. Where he gets his full will and he sees everything just the way it's going to be. Where there will be no hungry. Where there will be no hurting. Where there will be no lonely. Where there will be uh, you know, no orphans. Where there will be uh, broken hearts. There won't be any of that there. So we pray for your kingdom to come now. We are his people here on the earth praying that now. Who see it come even now. Maybe even just small steps of the kingdom. We are the ones to pray for that to come. And we are the ones in whom it comes through. To this world. So they can see the hope of a different life. I really believe most people on the earth really believe this is a special place. You really do. And I think Jesus believes it's very special too because God created it. And it's not everything he wants it to be, but it will be one day. And so how do we help that? We live it now. We do the things that we should be doing. The things we'll live like then, we live now. We won't have to forgive anyone then. So we work on our forgiveness now and restoring people and serving people. We'll be serving right into eternity. So we learn to serve now. We learn to love now. We learn to write beautiful songs and do beautiful art of the great and wonderful things that God has done in this earth. And we celebrate that. All of that is a picture pointing toward eternity. And when God finally brings heaven to earth and we see it the way it should always be. So it means a lot how we live now. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord Jesus is not in vain. It's not in vain. What you do now will move right on into the next age 
right on into it. So we sow into it. We build into it with not with wood, hay, and stubble, as it says in First Corinthians, but we build with precious stones that it that is relationally, and we see the kingdom come. We do all that we can for people to see how much God cares for this earth. And that his ultimate goal is to restore it and to redeem it. N.T. Wright says, What you do in the present by painting, preaching, singing, serving, praying, teaching, building hospitals, digging wells, campaigning for justice, writing poems, caring for the needy, loving your neighbor as, as yourself will last into God's future. We are those people who do that. Those who follow Jesus Christ. This is our joy. This is our call. And uh, what a joyful journey to be on. When Winston Churchill died, the great, uh, some of you probably might not even know who he is, but uh, the Prime Minister of England who saw England through two wars, served in the first war, and then, of course, was the Prime Minister through World War II. He's, he's, it's a worthy biography if you want to read it. Uh, when he died, he requested two things. And like my father's a vet, and they're going to play taps whenever... He dies. They played taps for him on one side of the, of the uh, graveyard. But then he told him, I want you to play Reveille on the other side. You get this? You get this? Don't just play taps, people. Reveille is sounding right now. Not later. Right now. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. Lord, we want to see you. We want to experience you in deeper ways. And we want to be found faithful, God, when our time is up here. We don't want to just bide time, put up with it. We don't want to hold the fort. We want to be your emissaries of a kingdom to come that is already breaking into this world in our lives through the example of Christ. So, Lord, this morning, I pray that if there's anyone here who has not crossed that line of saying, okay, Jesus, you're the only one we have. Of all the religions in the world, you're the only one who rose from the grave. The only one who sets the example of what heaven is going to be like. You're surely different, Jesus. Surely different. And you make such a difference in so many people's lives. I want to start my journey with you. So I'd ask you, is is that you today? Would you just let me know? I'm starting my journey with Jesus today, crossing the line. Thank you. Anyone else? What an offer God gives us through his son. Father, I pray for those whose hearts have opened this morning to say, wow. I want to know this Christ. I want to know this Jesus who made a way for humanity to get back right with its creator. To be put in right standing with its creator and who is also going to put this world back to rights. I want to be a part of that. I want want to be a part of that future. So come, Lord, and grab the heart. Love the heart. Reveal yourself. And how about those of us who have been walking a while with God and we kind of just do day to day but we don't realize the importance of why we're still here. Can we kind of renew that call and that excitement and that joy and say to Jesus, oh Jesus, 
Yeah. I want to be your emissary. I, I don't want to just make it through life, but I want to build through life on what is to come. I want to make down payments and I want to be a, a preview. I want to be a preview to the world of what your, your kingdom is going to be like when you come to this earth again. Let my life be a preview of that to others so they can see you. Father, that's me. Help us. And Lord, we have an enemy. We have an enemy who hopes to trip us up and stop us from being the reflectors of your glory and your love to this world. We pray you'd rebuke the enemy, Satan, away from our lives and that you, Holy Spirit, would come and fill us fresh with hope and joy. Joy in the journey, Lord. Joy in the responsibility of being yours here on your earth even now. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. You can learn more about us and access a video archive of our messages by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel led to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or download the PushPay app on your smartphone and search for Seacoast Vineyard Church.